Gold higher, dollar markets higher, then lower, then higher, then lower. Are the major U.S. indices one big penny stock exchange now? Sugar daddy Jerome Powell seems to think so. Hertz is bankrupt, but it thinks it can raise $1 billion. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 74 of Bizarro World. We will be talking gold. We will be talking progress in our society. Go protesters that have been doing it correctly. We'll be talking mortgage rates, NASCAR, all sorts of things. Nick, first and foremost, how are you, sir? Um, well, Gerardo, uh, like you trying to keep pace with this whiplashing market, volatility is back for sure. Uh, we'll talk about it. How are you? I am well. I am happy to have a voice this uh, happy Friday. As you all know, we record on Friday, publish on Monday. It's been a heck of a week. Frankly, it's been a heck of a year. I was boasting to you off air about the fact that I may get a haircut for the first time in 90 days. Um, the flex is different during a pandemic, right? Um, if you want to talk about hairdos, we can. So I cut my hair, my own hair once because, um, I could moonlight as a werewolf. And so <laughs> a, a, like a month ago, it was just, you know, I was starting to go rip wings out of the side of my head. And I told my wife, you know what, I'm just going for it because I had cut some of my roommates hair in college. And so I just went for it <clears throat> and it turned out. Pretty good. But when I first started, because, you know, I keep my hair pretty close. And so um, I started to like fade it up um, and it was quite long. So once I took like those first couple of strips, I was really into it. And then I was like, oh, shit, I guess I got to keep going, <laughs> um, especially in the back. I had some doubts, but uh, it came out pretty good. And of course, Zoom meetings, they only see the front of your head. So it didn't matter what the back looked like anyway. And then um, so we've been open for a couple of weeks and I went and got another haircut the other weeks just to even out all my little jack ups. And I'm glad you're going to get your hair done because, yes, um, things are a little bit different in a pandemic. Yeah, and I'm fortunate. Uh, my wife's hairstylist, who also cuts my hair, is, is 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 being kind enough to come to the house and do it here at home. You know, as you know, here in Texas, you know, we reopened a, a bit over a month ago, and we're now starting to see. And this is something that we should talk about because it has That's implications it. for the rest of the country. But we're starting to see not just more cases, which we expected on a net basis, right? Because we're testing more, but we're seeing record hospitalizations now for the fourth day in a row. Um, and we're seeing uh, a, 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 a record high since we reopened in what they call the positivity rate, but is really just the rate of infection, right? Um, and, and to provide some perspective, we've seen a 15% spike here in the Austin area just in the past week in hospitalizations. Now, you know, we've been tracking that since the very beginning. And, you know, the amount of tests that are happening has increased. But that has zero effect on whether or not you feel sick enough to go to the hospital. So that's worrisome. Um, and the infection rate, you know, we'd been lingering between 4 and 5% for a good three weeks. And I think since Memorial Day, it trickled up to 6 It flirted with 8% um, and is sitting right around that, that, that 7 to 8% level. So, um, you know, Georgia's having a similar situation. Florida's having a similar situation. I don't think it's a coincidence that we saw the volatility come back into the market um, this week. We'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, let's let's, you know, before we talk gold and that bull market and gold did beautifully this week. Um, how's it looking in Spokane? How's it looking in Washington? How's it looking in your neck of the woods, Nick? 
Um, infections are uh, definitely picking back up, uh, and we didn't really have that many uh, to begin with. It was something like a total as of a week ago, uh, 450 or 500 cases. And um, then sort of as everyone started experiencing a little uptick, um, uh, an entire uh, factory here, it was like 50 or 55 workers all uh, came down with it. So that's uh, a big total when you stack that up against uh, the number of people that had had it prior to that point here in Spokane. Um, and so, like you say, you got to keep an eye on the hospitalization rate because testing is one thing, but um, we got to look at how many people are going to the hospitals. And um, I was reading about Arizona like a week ago. I think that was one of the earliest states to start having a, a quote unquote second wave, if you want to refer to it as that. And then <clears throat> I guess one thing I would have to throw in there is... Um, some of the takes I've been reading are that <laughs> it's not not really a second wave that we never really dissipated the the first wave entirely, and so um, a lot of states are in different phases of reopening. Um, back in Maryland, uh, you know, cities and states are doing it differently. The Baltimore is behind the rest of the state, and so um, I think people got lulled into a sense of complacency. Um, almost sort of like with the stock market, I guess, is the is the point I wanted to make. And now um, the numbers are starting to tick back up. Um, like you say, though, we have to see how many people feel sick enough to go to the hospital. So I think that's the important thing to watch now, because if we've learned anything over the past, um, well, like you say, what's been a quarter of a year now, um, is that it affects different people in different ways and uh, uh, a high infection rate doesn't necessarily mean a shortage of hospital beds, et cetera. And so um, hopefully we have learned something over the past, whatever, 90 or 120 days. I hope so. You know, it's an interesting contrast that in places like New York, which was the hotbed, right? The epicenter of, 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 of this, um, they, they, they've been consistently trending lower on all fronts, deaths, um, infections, net hospitalizations, infection rate. And so I, I think the one conclusion that we could probably make is that social distancing and taking the precautions absolutely works and, and, and not doing so, um, is going to contribute to higher, higher amounts of, 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 of hospitalizations and infections. And, you know, we're going to have to decide as a country and as a society, how much we're willing to accept. And, and, you know, it's, 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 it's curious to me, Nick, that we're having a debate about um, these masks where everybody knows they're effective. Everybody knows we can see from New York um, that social distancing in combination with wearing masks when you're out um, has been effective. And yet, I, it seems like a good portion of America is not even willing to entertain the idea of wearing a mask to protect others. And so, um, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna reap what we sow on that front. And I just hope that we can all be somewhat logical and, um, practical in our approach moving forward. Doesn't mean you, you know, hide in the bunker, like, like the Trumpster, um, but I think it does mean that, you know, you, we should not completely let our guard down, which brings us to the markets, right? Um, the markets. Uh, yeah, go I ahead. can't believe you, you want us to be logical and practical. I was chuckling. <laughs> Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Let's talk about logical and practical or illogical markets and not practical markets. Um, the Dow and the S&P lost five and a half percent and 4.7 percent respectively this week. Uh, the volatility index soared 
um, for the past several days. Um, the dollar closed higher, closed at 97.22. Gold picked up quietly, almost 50 bucks from the low of 1680 last week to 1731 today where it closed. Silver picked up a little over a dime at 1749. Bottom line is gold was higher. The dollar was higher. The markets were higher than lower than higher, but ended lower for the week. And sugar daddy Jerome Powell says at least near zero rates for at least two years. Um, what do you make of the madness in the overall indices and where do you see that trending, Nick? And then we'll talk about gold. I don't know, Gerardo. Um, <clears throat> Next. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, look, the market was going up for all the wrong reasons. The stock market I'm talking about, this was sort of our discussion last week. Um, and gold was going up for the, the right reasons. And, um, it got lulled into complacency. I mean, it really did almost complete. Well, if you're the, talking about the NASDAQ, it did complete a V and then some. The NASDAQ was back at all-time highs, uh, hit 10,000, and the S&P was uh, seemingly content to march right uh, behind it, and it certainly made up all the ground it had lost um, in the year, uh, not back to the record highs that it was at in February, but back to where it started the year um, in January. And then... Um, like you say, for whatever reason, and we can break it down, I guess, because that's what we're here to do. Um, a significant uh, downside in the market this week. Now, um, the protests didn't do it and the negative earnings growth didn't do it. And so like it was just climbing this wall of worry. And so everyone's now trying to figure out um, what did it. Was it the second wave of the the coronavirus? Was it um, and Mr. Dines intimated in his letter, um, the accountants getting an early look at coming second quarter numbers. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I have to imagine the numbers aren't going to be good because, um, you know, we had a solid January and February before things really hit the, the fan in, in March and everyone's sort of been on, quote unquote, some version of lockdown since then. And so, um, you know, the market, you would think, and, and I guess the other narrative that we've now been seeing debated is this sort of armchair trader or Robin Hood trader narrative <laughs> that are, um, you know, coming in and buying every dip, including in companies that are going bankrupt and sending up, um, you know, multi-hundred million dollar market cap companies like Chesapeake Energy up uh, 200% in a, in a day. Uh, and so... Get some um, beta, bro. Get some beta. <laughs> <laughs> and the backdrop to all this is that volatility was still high, which no one really ever talks about. Um, yes, it had come down and the market was seemingly complacent, um, but it had, it had come down from like historic highs and was still twice the level that it was um, before coronavirus started. And so against that backdrop of still high volatility, um, you can get moves up. Um, I think I was writing about this yesterday somewhere. I don't know. I write so fucking much now. I don't know where I write. <laughs> um, you know, those those big moves, those volatile moves can be up until they aren't, right? And this week they aren't. Except in except in gold. I mean Except <laughs> except in gold. And before we get before we get to gold, and this kind of ties into it, um, you know, I think there's a reason why 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 gold is up and, and, and silver is up and you know the dollar is also up and volatility's up. I mean, you, you 
Jerome Powell came out and said, look, you can expect at least near zero rates for at least two years. We're not even thinking about thinking about raising rates was the quote that had me just dying off my rocker. We're not even thinking about thinking about it. Yeah. In case there was any gray area. Right. Um, And, and, and here we are, you know, I just breaking news hurts, which is bankrupt and trading, you know, like what it is a penny stock now um, just was approved and authorized by a bankruptcy judge to raise $1 billion. So if, if anybody out there has any any lack of clarity about what the Fed is doing to increase wealth inequality in this country, um, <laughs> you you go try to get a mortgage loan right now. You know, I I have good credit, um, and they're making me jump through hoops to get you know what's now a below three percent mortgage rate. Good first world problem to have. I have hard assets. I have real estate. I'm in the market, obviously. Um, so I'm not complaining on my end. What I am highlighting, though, is that while Hertz can go and raise a billion dollars out of bankruptcy um, on a whim, right, on a good trading week, on a pump and dump, um, average everyday Americans that haven't worked for months for the most part are having a hard time tapping any equity that they may have in the real estate holdings. And for older Americans that are savers, you know, the, the, the fed is basically saying, fuck you, you are going to get nothing on your money. Don't even think about thinking about getting a return on your money for the next couple of years, find it elsewhere. That's the message that has been sent loud and clear by this fed. And that brings us to gold. And that's why I believe that, the deal flow is increasing in the gold space. 2020 has been a year of deal flow. We saw it this week with some mergers, some acquisitions, um, you know, <laughs> mergers and acquisitions at inflated prices, right? With with uh, Guyana Goldfields and, and, and a couple of other names out there. But, you know, I, I, I think gold picked up almost 50 bucks in the most quiet of ways, right? It's in here at 1731. I think it closed at 1680 last week. And it didn't seem like gold had a great week, did it? I mean, not on the the whole, but towards the end of the week, I mean, once the market started to go and gold had its big day, it did. But no, before that, no. I mean, um, like you said, it was below 1700 And so, um, yeah. So, yeah, 1684 I say all that to say there are a lot of opportunities still, though, little by little, those opportunities are starting to go away. And there will be new ones. But, you know, we talked about Magna Gold last week a bit. And we talked about it when it was 25 cents and you and I wrote a check at 10 cents and we said it last week, we wrote, you wrote one at 30, I wrote one at 40 again. Um, here it is trading at some 93, 94 cents and it's just getting started with executing its business model. Um, yes, can it go from one to $5 in the next two to three years? Absolutely. But man, if you had allocated some risk capital at the 10 cent level or the 20 cent level, um, you would be in obviously much better shape to maximize that opportunity. And so I want to get into that a bit, Nick. Um, you had a, a an article that you wrote this week for the Outsider Club uh, division that you founded, of course. And you talked about, you know, the newsletter promotions and, and we've all seen them. And I've I've written in the past, you know, guilty. I've 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 done them and we highlight, we highlight those baseline levels that you have to get into in order to be able to reap those, you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand, three thousand percent gains. And I feel like that 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 boat is leaving the dock right now. And and people better get serious about whether or not they're going to speculate 
in this gold bull market. Because if you come back in six months, you're going to have a harder time making those types of returns. Any thoughts on that, Nick? Oh, I'm sure I have all kinds of thoughts. Um, You should. You've been booking triple digit wins left and right. You write three newsletters and each one of those has got multiple triple digit gains. Well, it's a gold bull market. Everybody's smart, right? Um, I mean, just go back and look at at March, right? And and how um, quickly the gold names uh, snap back from um, when everyone thought the entire world was going to end. I guess what I would say, and this is a point I've been trying to make, um, is that these names came back like super strong. Everybody was looking for the recovery and... Um, while the, the broad market, you know, finally got there, gold got there fast and then some, um, in big names, Mm. um, like miners. Right. And so, yeah, if you look at the charts, if you look at the, the indexes, GDX and GDXJ, they are now beginning to, uh, break out. Uh, you're seeing, uh, what do I want to say? I guess. Um, new deals coming from old teams. And that's a sure sign that um, the cycle is beginning anew. Um, Quality and, teams, it should be noted, right? No, that's yeah. that's exactly what I mean. Well, And of course, the, the non-quality teams will come out too because the rising tide lifts all ships. Um, but yeah, like Stephen Dean is doing another deal, taking uh, uh, an asset that's already got approval in economics and ready to go into production essentially in Canada because um, the price of gold simply allows that. I was sniffing around it the other day and I think the economics on that deal um, were done at like $1,300 gold. And so now you're at $1,700 gold and, and those projects begin to look a bit better, especially when you've got an operator of that caliber, right? Um, and so I guess to answer your question more directly, yeah, what I was saying is that um, you see these newsletter promotions and it's like, oh, you know, the last time uh, gold was doing this, Arequipa Resources and Silver Standard and, and Pan American and whatever. And it's like those charts that you see, those gains that you were mentioning, um, this and now and recently is the times that those low prices are are quoted from. And I think what we're going to see in the next couple of years is, again, those, you know, uh, the highs that are then quoted in in newsletter promotions. Um, and and it's not too late. I mean, uh, what do you want to use? The baseball analogy. It's that we just had the first inning or whatever. Um, but certainly the cadence is picking up and uh, the money is moving. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of deals. And like, um, just like, you know, uh, I have a, a service that emails me the press releases of all the tickers that I have on the watch list and in other portfolios. And it's become like a morning routine of an hour long thing just to like sift through them. Right. Um, I hope that's that I... resource stock digest. <laughs> not, not that, not, not that I, I didn't sift through press releases before, but now the pace is just so wide. Um, yes. Resource stock digest for sure. <laughs> Um, and the and the high high quality companies there, but but ones that aren't uh, featured companies on Resource Stock, Stock Digest as well, right? Um, and so it's just uh, a lot happening, yeah. A lot happening, and and we see that by the M and A activity, right? We see the premiums. We've seen the premiums all year. We're coming out of you know bear market PTSD for a lot of people, a lot of traders, a lot of people in the space, newsletter writers included. I, I I remember you know October, November, December. 
um, where, where a lot of the better known newsletter writers started getting frustrated and had nothing else to do but bicker amongst themselves. I thought it was hilarious, um, but I'm sure they didn't find it hilarious, right? Um, that's changed. Everyone's busy. You mentioned how much you're writing. I'm as busy as I've been um, at least in four years and, 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 and maybe ever. And so uh, a, a part of that urgency, though, and, and the reason that we are as busy and scaling out the way that we're scaling out um, is because of the opportunity. This is, I believe, um, a generational opportunity to make transformative wealth. And, and, you know, whether you're speculating with $10,000, $100,000, a million dollars or up, these are the types of markets, everybody, that, that, that you suffer the past, you know, what we suffered through the past three or four years. Um, and, and frankly, with the exception of a year or two for most of the last decade. And so the market is here, everyone. It's time to go get in there. If you're going to play in this space. And if you're not Nothing wrong with that. It's still high risk. It's still high reward. You still have to deal with a lot of shady characters out there that will take great assets and turn them into a shit company. Um, but again, with a little due diligence and some guidance, you can do spectacularly well in this market. No, that's it. You. It's exactly what I wanted to say is the last thing you said there with a little bit of uh, guidance. You can do spectacularly well. And it has to do with um, yes, the leverage that gold stocks provide and yes, the, the large gains that can be had, but also like the rolling and we should talk about warrants maybe too, but um, but the rolling over of gains. Right. So, um, you know, you saw me back in February, like before <laughs> Corona, like starting to sell K92. Right. K92 still I took shit for that. K92 still hasn't gotten back to where it was. And I defended it that day saying it wasn't going to come back to that price for a while. But anyway, you had crab um, cakes with your profits. I remember. I, that's exactly right. Starting to sell like Taranga this week, for example, 300 percent. Right. And so redeploying immediately, though, like right back into Alamos. This is for a, a newsletter that deals in bigger names. Right. Because um, I think Alamos is like the next Alice. Right. And so if you can roll over a 300 percent gain and get into another one. Um, and it's still early in the cycle. I mean, that's what you're talking about by a little bit of guidance, right? And so, um, yeah, it's happening. Absolutely. And now I'm going to talk our own book because between the Outsider Club, Resource Stock Digest, Digest Publishing, um, it, 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 there's frankly just a lot of platforms and options for people to get both paid advice and access to private deals and, and access to private research and free generalist information if you want that. So if you want free information on companies that we think have compelling stories to tell, go to resourcestockdigest.com. If you want good macro perspectives on everything from pot stocks to gold to tech stocks, you name it, go to outsiderclub.com where Nick and myself and several other writers write a free editorial once a week, every day, free weekly mailing to your inbox, or you can go to the website. And then if you decide that you want to invest a bit into some paid research, you can go to the Outsider Club. You can click on the premium publications. I write two. Nick writes three. Um, Jimmy Mangle, Jason Simpkins, they write a letter each. And there's a combination of options there that include everything from private placement access for accredited investors to pot stocks, to gold stocks, to you know the electrification of everything, critical metal stocks. There's a lot of options. And you know it, it doesn't have to be us, um, but... 
if you're going, again, if you're going to speculate in the space, now is the time to figure out, you know, the jockeys that you want to bet on. And, you know, that can be us. That can be a, a letter, an excellent letter like Exploration Insights, Joe Mazumdar's letter and, uh, you know, a letter that Brent used to write um, exclusively before him and Joe teamed up. There, there's lots of good options out there and there's no real wrong answer. You know, I had a wise man tell me once if I had $10,000, I would I, I would take a couple of thousand and spread that out amongst five or six different newsletter writers and just compare notes um, and, and see who gets what right. And we're all, we're all strong in different aspects of our trading and speculative ventures. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a broad palette out there, but you got to get out there and get some, if you're going to be listening to us, because if not, you're going to miss out and you're going to buy in when Magna Gold is $3 upset that you only made 50% when it went, you know, to 450 um, and wondering why you didn't buy in when it was 20 cents or 30 cents. And the answer is going to be because you didn't want to spend a couple of hundred bucks to hear it early, right? Oh, well, yeah, you nailed it. And it's, you know, it's just like anything else. If you can uh, pull together information and extract the best nuggets, then yeah, getting that information from a diverse source is going to be best. It's like when I'm making a new recipe and I look up five different recipes from five different sites for the same recipe. And then I just sort of congeal them together. Um, same thing with these junior mining newsletters for sure. Um, and pl plenty of opportunities out there. <laughs> he makes people money and he cooks everybody. Ah, take that. <laughs> Listen, See, this week, this week I caught the fish. I cleaned the fish. I cooked the fish and I ate the fish, Gerardo. R Rick, Rick Rule would be proud. Rick Rule would be <laughs> proud. I love it. So speaking of pulling together, I can't help but notice we had a very, very long in-depth conversation and we have for months and frankly since this podcast has started um, about the fourth turning, about the protesters, um, about the inequality in this country and about reform. And last week we focused on solutions. And I got to say, talking about pulling together um, the protesters that have protested right, that have done so peacefully, that have organized, I, I don't know about you, I can't be any prouder of that energy. Again, I'm not talking about the looters. Those are criminals. They have nothing to do with the protests. They're opportunists. Arrest them. Put them in prison. I'm talking about the protesters. And, and change is happening. And I'm going to personalize this and just talk Austin the way I did with the COVID-19 numbers because I think sometimes when we speak in generalities, it tends to get lost, right? And, and, and people don't see real change or, or real people tied into how, you know, the, the, the results of what's happening on a national scale. So here in Austin this week, the city council has now banned chokeholds. Um, that was already in place, but the policy now will outline it in a more detailed way. Um, no more money for beanbags and rubber bullets. We had a couple of issues here where a couple of peaceful protesters um, were just standing in the general direction of people that were throwing a water bottle, an empty water bottle at that, and police felt the need to shoot into um, that crowd. And, and what the dumbasses did is they ended up hitting uh, one gentleman in his early 20s. And he is in critical condition, last I checked. And they hit a, a young lady that was pregnant that, you know, neither one of these people happened to be at the protest to protest. One was getting off of work and one was walking through the area, um, you know, and, and, and she's in the hospital. So, you know, these beanbags, these rubber bullets, all of that, no more funding for that. Um, I can't help but notice that in Louisville, Kentucky, where Breonna Taylor was killed, that's the 26-year-old EMT who was sleeping when police decided to execute a no-knock warrant looking for two people that were already in custody. They didn't announce their presence. They didn't announce that they were police officers. They simply kicked the door down, 
went in yelling and when Miss Taylor's significant other returned fire, they shot 22 times, hit her eight times. Um, and, and, and then that's, that, that's that, um, that's illegal now that, that that's no longer allowed in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm hoping it's something that is federally enforced. Um, there's several politicians that, um, are now challenging the qualified immunity act. And for those of you that aren't familiar, I'll put a link up, but basically qualified immunity is what we talked about last week where police officers and, 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 and prosecutors and other members of our government, the, the, the same government that exists because of us, because we fund it, um, they're allowed to basically abuse their authority and power without any type of repercussions, any type of legal repercussions. Um, there's a big push right now that people like Tom Brady, even Drew Brees is on board, uh, Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors, a lot of celebrities with a lot of influence and a lot of politicians that have 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 really organized well during these protests. They're pushing to get that passed on a national level. I say all that to say for all of the doubters that 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 were skeptical about the stick-to-itiveness of these protesters and thought it was a couple of day thing. Um, I got news for you. It's going on 20 days now and it's not stopping anytime soon. And this is absolutely the time um, to, 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 to push for real reforms, real reforms. There's a law in New York that just got repealed. New York, one of the most corrupt unions in the country. And I dare say one of the most corrupt police departments in the country. And that's no shade to the good officers there, but we're talking about the bad ones right now. Um, they just passed a law that allows for taxpayers to see the public record of an officer that has been accused of misconduct. Believe it or not, that was not something that existed, um, which allows a lot of the bad apples, quote unquote, to hide. So little by little, I am seeing a trend, Nick, that encourages me that shows more transparency. It is early in this and, 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 and we're going to have to keep on it. But I got to say, I haven't felt as encouraged as I have this week. One last note and then I'll stop, I promise. It's odd that once the cops decided to de-escalate on a national scale, you're not seeing any more of the bullshit that everybody was pointing at, like the looters, like the rioters. It's almost as if the protesters always wanted to protest peacefully and the people that were kicking shit up were a lot of the officers. Interesting how that turned, huh? I mean, and we saw it in um, real time and hmm. that's why it was, it was different. I mean, and even so they tried to lie about it. We touched on that again last week. Um, and, you know, there's really been a shift in people's, um, attitudes and awareness with this uh, social media and real-time video and, you know, as it's been called, everybody making documentary films in uh, real time. And so um, I'm not going to go through the changes that I've seen. There have been um, a lot. There is a lot more to come. It's good to see uh, people on board, including Mr. Breeze. Um, it would be nice if Mr. Kaepernick had a job. That's maybe a topic for another time. Um, but you mentioned the fourth turning and even the fourth turning is getting its uh, moment in the spotlight. The New York Times had an article about the authors uh, of the book this week uh, pointing to uh, well, basically its propheticness. Um, and I've seen other people writing articles about the fourth turning and how it um, basically predicted and, and explains uh, the things that 
um, are going on uh, in the country today. And so uh, it's always good when you uh, see the head of the crowd and, and they start to, to see in line with you. I will say that according um, to that book, we're only halfway through. And, and so that's worth noting when, when, when people believe that, that this generation, um, this group of, 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 you know, fighters for change is going to be, um, tired out or fatigued. Um, not according to the book, not according to past cycles, not according to the, the, the level of activity that I'm seeing on all fronts. Um, we're probably about halfway in and I expect the rest of the decade to be one that's transformative globally, but especially in this country and man, does it need it? Because we still can't fucking hold a primary election in this country without machines not working, people standing in line for six, seven hours at a time. And man, if that doesn't change. Yeah, well, um, it's certainly not going to come to an end unless uh, by something really, really miraculous, we get uh, another candidate in there for the presidency this year then. You likely don't see a conclusion until post 2024. And so um, and uh, if you want like a little bit of cliff notes, what has to happen is that, um, you know, old institutions have to be torn down and the nation has to, quote unquote, rebuild itself in a, in a new form or in a new ideal. Um, and there will be it will coalesce around a politician. It doesn't necessarily have to be Republican. It doesn't necessarily have to be Democrat. It could be something you never even heard of before, just like you never heard of coronavirus in January. It could be some new party that pops up because weird stuff like that happens in fourth turnings. But um, at any rate, uh, you know, there needs to be like a, an FDR Churchill type situation. And <laughs> I don't think it's Biden or Trump. I agree. And let's talk about Georgia a bit more because, man, it set me off, Nick. Um, you know, our democracy is 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 emboldened when everybody has a voice and man are these motherfuckers making it hard and let me be clear the governor of georgia is a republican the local officials are democratic both sides are to blame it's a damn embarrassment what happened in georgia this past week i'll put a link up but voting machines that are broken broken running out of ballots having people during a pandemic stand outside for six, seven hours at a time into the night to register a vote is an embarrassment. I can wire money to a Canadian bank from my office in Round Rock, Texas, from my computer in less than five minutes. In less than five minutes. I can deposit a check with my phone and have it processed the same day. We can't figure out how to, how, to, how to register a vote in this country. And again, if this is what we're going to see during the primary election, and it happens to coincide with whatever you want to call it, a second wave of COVID or a continuation or an escalation of the first wave, um, and you throw that in with some of the leadership that we have in place, um, expect, expect more volatility. And for those of you out there that are still complaining about NASCAR banning Confederate flags or complaining about, I, I had a guy retire who's never won a race in 32 races and, and it somehow that was supposed to be consequential. For those of you that are complaining about that, I don't see you up in arms 
about Americans not being able to cast a vote in this country. I, I, I don't see the same reaction. I don't see the same rage. It's, it's, it's interesting, huh? Um, got a couple of things I <laughs> want to say there. Um, I'm just taking notes so I get it all. One is that you see a lot of just absolute um, garbage, right? Like, what, what was the thing this week? Like, we're trying to defund Paw Patrol or something. Um, and, <laughs> and then people, like, latch on to this, like, um, and try to make it like I- I- indicative of the movement. Like, see, they're trying to even take away kids' cartoons that have dog police in them or something. And then the argument is just like they try to skew it so far to to one way. Um, and that's really sort of um, where we've been. Like, that's like uh, the intense complexity that you and I have talked about. How um, you know things seem so convoluted and like. Um, it's so complex that there are no good answers. And, um, you know, there's a quote, I think I've talked about it here before, that it's like um, out of intense complexity, uh, intense uh, simplicity uh, arises. And it's like, um, of course you probably, um, or of course you shouldn't have a, a Confederate flag, you know, that supported, uh, you know, slavery and fought to keep that the, the status quo um, et cetera. That's and like, they lost. Um, <laughs> they lost. Yeah, exactly. You it's don't like make the inten- fucking rules when you lose. Right. It's intensely, it's intensely simple. And so um, I think we're coming into more of those uh, intensely simple solutions where, um, you know, we don't have to hem and haul about things because um, they're pretty cut and dried. And, Online voting is certainly one of those things that is intensely simple for the reasons you said. We already do uh, things that are much more sensitive uh, online with our personal and financial data. And so, um, you know, what I would say is that the reason they don't want you to have online voting is because it opens the door closer to direct democracy, um, which we should have more of where you have people voting directly on the issues themselves. Um, and it's it's definitely a control thing, you know, I mean, and it goes back to, you know, redlining and districts and all the, the bullshit that you just talked about, bad not having enough ballots and making people wait in line and other uh, backhanded suppression techniques. And so um, I think there'll just come a point where, you know, it's so intensely simple that it will, it will just happen. I mean, there's no reason why we can't vote online. I, I vote for, like you say. Uh, directors of companies and, and, and public company votes, et cetera. And so it's, it's time. And it's important, everybody, to stay focused and hold people accountable. For, for the past three weeks since the protest started, all I've heard is about the big, bad Antifa boogeyman. And I'm going to give you another local example. One I wrote to my news outlet, my favorite news outlet, KVU News here in, uh, in, in, in Round Rock in the Austin area. Um, you know, we, we've heard that Antifa is, you know, it's, 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 it's violent. Donald Trump got out there and tweeted, empty fucking tweet as always, right? I'm, I'm designating it a terrorist organization and everybody in the administration looked around like, we can't do that, but okay, buddy. Um, anyhow, I've been waiting. I've, I've wanted to know, you know, I don't like the boogeyman any more than the next person. Um, so I'm, I've, I've, I've waited. I've, 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 how many, how many people did these Antifa people kill? Um, what, what, what did they, uh, what, what, how much did they steal? How many people did they, did they, did they brutalize? And so here in the, in the Austin area, 
I get an article about a week ago that says, as a result of uh, an investigation between local officials and the FBI, um, three Antifa members were arrested. Cool headline. So then I dig into it and follow up. And what it turns out it was, it was three kids in their late teens and early 20s that had um, stolen $20,000 in goods from the local Target. And then I followed up by asking, well, how much money was spent on this investigation that yielded some shoplifters? And I can't get an answer out of anybody, right? And then all of a sudden I start getting, you know, all sorts of FBI um, <laughs> ads on my Twitter feed, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Um, but again, for three weeks, we've been told that the enemy and the, the people we really got to watch out for are Antifa. Yet the people that are running over police officers tend to come from a certain side. Uh, the people that are, 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 are out there committing all the stupid bullshit that you see on videos left and right, you know, a lot of the bigoted and the racist stuff tend to be on one side. So I just, again, it seems like the Antifa boogeyman has gone away now. And I'm here to tell you it went away because does the, does, does the organization exist as a loose knit group of counterculture people that have certain beliefs? Absolutely. But does it exist in the way that the government and the media has portrayed them as a convenient boogeyman that was the cause of all bad rioting and looting and violence and all of this other stuff? No, no, there hasn't been a police officer killed by Antifa. There hasn't been, you know, a police officer stomped out by a gang of Antifan people, whatever the heck they call themselves or people wanted to call them. So just pay attention to the bullshit we're fed everybody. And then, and again, hold those people accountable. Hold your local news stations accountable for the stuff they put on there. Hold your local politicians accountable when they tell you stuff that later on doesn't make any sense and turns out to be an outright lie, like the Minnesota Police Department saying the 75-year-old man tripped and fell when we clearly saw he was pushed. Well, it's much easier to uh, believe a big lie for some people than to uh, admit what's really going on. Um, and so, and, and it's done quite easily, Gerardo. I mean, clearly, uh, Nazis and Jews are one famous example, but, uh, we've had them here in the United States with Salem witch trials and, um, you know, with McCarthy in the sixties, et cetera. It's very easily to convince people of, a, not only that there is a boogeyman, but to go on a witch hunt for that boogeyman. Um, and it's that witch hunt part that turns into into potentially very dangerous situations. I told you last week here in Spokane, they were um, immediately blaming the uh, initial unrest on out of town agitators. And then when when the <laughs> when the arrest records came out, there was nobody from out of town. And so uh, one more story to, to keep it local is um, there was a, a multiracial family here from Spokane. Um, a mother, a father, his mother and their, and their, and their child, um, went camping on the West side of the state in their camper here from, uh, Spokane. And they went to pick up some groceries in, uh, a grocery store before they, uh, hit the campsite. And when they came out of the grocery store, their car was encircled by, um, uh, what you could only categorize as, you know, a, a far right group or a, a far right militia with AR-15s and, and other weapons, uh, insisting that they were Antifa and that they were in their camper, you know, on the move from like protest to protest, right? With 
uh, no evidence for this whatsoever other than the Phantom Boogeyman story, right? And so it, it gets more crazy because uh, not only did they uh, encircle him in the parking lot of the grocery store, but when they were finally able to leave and head to the campsite, this uh, far right group followed them there and cut down trees, uh, blocking them in the campsite so they couldn't leave, like fell trees across the road. Um, and so that's like pure deliverance stuff. I mean, how intimidating is that? If you got guys with guns cutting down trees, blocking you in a campsite when you're with your family. Um, and that is precisely the dog whistle stuff that you talk about, Gerardo, that mm. incites people to act that way, right? And so, you know, who's the agitator there? One more local story. Um, I told you how peaceful um, uh, the protests were here in Spokane on Sunday. Um, no violence, nobody out of order, despite uh, massive crowds, five to 6,000 uh, uh, people. And um, of course, at the at the end of the march, there was a guy there right in his vest and his uh, thigh holster and his AR-15. <laughs> um, like, you know, and they say they're there to keep the order, but, you know, there was nobody, there's nobody out of order. They just want to um, be there for the same reason that people wanted to bring their AR-15s to the steps of the State House in Michigan uh, a couple of weeks ago, and so um, it, yeah, it's that it's that dog whistle, and it's that keep the keep the people divided, um, make sure there's a boogeyman that no one can put their finger on to keep them running around in circles, um, and that's how um, you know. Um, well, you said it earlier this week on Twitter. I think that's the game plan, right? Um, tear down a couple of statues, um, claim a victory lap, and then hope mm -hmm. everybody hope hope everybody forgets. And that's um, you know that's how the the march of tyranny continues is that obfuscation and that um, continued divisiveness and that pointing to things that uh, don't exist. Agreed. You know, and and, and here I am, right? I, I I I couldn't help but notice that. The last couple of days, the Trump administration now is blaming or looking to frame. It'll it'll be out this week, I'm sure. Is looking to frame, you know, the the spike in hospitalizations and COVID nineteen cases in places like Arizona and Texas and 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 in places that opened early on 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 my group on Mexicans. You know, not now it's uh, it's it's the legal migration that we allowed. It wasn't the spring breakers that were out at Corpus Christi and South Padre Island, you know, having a fucking blast. It wasn't the Arizona spring breaker kids that were out there having a fucking blast. It wasn't, you know, the people getting their hair cut saying that, you know, the light and their Lord would go ahead and take care of the COVID. They don't have anything to worry about. They're not wearing masks. It wasn't the people congregating at the church, you know, hundreds at a time without masks. It wasn't any of those people, just the Mexicans. Pay attention, people. Pay attention. Call bullshit when you see it, no matter who is saying it. It's the only way we continue forward in a way that is productive and healthy. Everybody complains about the protest. Can you imagine if we wanted revenge? There's a lot of bullshit out there. Like I said about the Paw Patrol, and uh, there's a other examples of just you know taking the argument to the extreme and setting up a straw man and you're right no you got to keep calling it out it's it's definitely time that's what the fourth turning is about it's about you know coming of age and uh calling out the the status quo and and making sure others realize so um, i'm all about it
I like it. Let's give some people some money-making ideas, Nick. Um, and again, we don't rehearse any of this stuff. We put up some talking points on a shared document sometimes. Sometimes we just don't put anything up and freestyle it. Today's kind of one of those days where we just kind of talk about things that, 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 that are on our mind. As usual, there's always a couple of talking points, but not many. Anyhow, um, any names to watch the, in the coming weeks, Nick? Opportunities that you still see in the market that haven't been recognized by... By, by, by the people in the know or the people that aren't in the know, frankly, the, the, the retail side of it that doesn't pay as much attention to the market as we do. Uh, well, one, I'm looking forward to some results from Millrock Resources. They started mm. drilling again in, in May and the market was really excited about that initial campaign that was uh, cut short um, and they only got to release, uh, you know, uh, results. One and a half hole. hole. And a partial <laughs> hole, yeah. So I'm looking forward to, to getting that going again. Um, what else am I excited about? I, I have to what, what's better than one and a half holes, Nick? What's that? Two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't, they finished the second I, hole, which I, is great. <laughs> I, I can't wait. would love to get uh, that whole second hole. Um, now you made me lose my train of thought. Oh, I don't think I've <laughs> talked about Immuno Precise on this podcast, and I got to say, IPA, um, yes. Um, this stock has been on an absolute terror. Um, f- was able to finance it in Nick's notebook at at thirty cents, and um, it's always been a good uh, team. Uh, it's the, why people are so important, and they've had unique ways to generate and research antibodies and. Um, they, since the COVID thing happened, this company, Immunoprecise Antibodies, it's called, has been trying to come up with an antibody to fight COVID. Um, and they do this by taking antibodies from uh, mice and rats and uh, rabbits and then using uh, computational analysis to, um, you know, find different molecular structures on those antibodies that line up um, with proteins on the uh, diseases DNA. So it all gets very scientific very fast, but everybody's seen the picture of that like COVID blob with all the spikes on it. Um, All the different spikes are like different proteins and the biggest spike is the spike protein. Um, And that's the one that transmits the disease. And so if you can sort of neutralize that big spike protein on that, the blob of the COVID picture that everybody has seen, um, you can stop the spread of it. And through their research platform, they found a um, well, they found an antibody that does just that, neutralizes that spike protein. And so the stock has gone to essentially $2. I pulled back a little bit uh, to maybe $1.70 today. Um, but this is like multi-billion dollar cure stuff. So the next pro- step in the process is to learn um, exactly why their antibody stops this spike protein. And then once they learn why it's neutralizing it from there, they can begin to turn it into a therapy. Um, and some very big players are involved, as you can imagine, in wanting to know why they can neutralize the COVID mm. uh, 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 protein. And so uh, the ticker is IPA in, in Canada and we're not buying it anymore, but um, if this pans out the way I think it does, that $2 stock becomes a 5 or 6 or $10 stock very, very quickly. One of the prettiest charts you will see um, in, 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 you know, two quarters. Uh, you go January, February, March, all the way up till today, June the 12th. And man, it is a thing of absolute beauty. So congrats um, to you and subscribers. Hey. Yeah. 
it's even more beautiful if you owned it before it was called Immuno Precise when it was, and I might have to get this uh, framed. Tanker Ray Exploration, baby. Take a victory lap. <laughs> I've got to do it on this one, boy. I like it. So I'm going to talk my book real quick. There is a company that I have done very well with in the past, a company that um, I've owned on and off for over a decade and a company that has been left for dead by the market is a market cap of approximately $2.2 million Canadian, um, is doing a small financing. I'm writing a check. I believe Nick is writing a check. Is that correct, Nick? I know you know who I'm talking about. Yes, I am. So we're both writing a check, uh, doing a $210,000 private placement. The company's name is Nevada Sunrise Gold. Um, quick bullet points. It owns water rights that have some debt attached to those water rights. Um, we can dispute the value of those water rights. I can make a pretty decent argument that the water rights are loan are worth the market cap. But for the sake of this argument, let's assume that the water rights are only worth the amount of debt attached to those water rights that accrued as a result of lawyers fees and disputing with the state for years on end that was resolved favorably in Nevada Sunrise's favor. And I believe that there is a path forward in negotiating either a sale or a removal of the debt that's attached to that. So why Nevada Sunrise and why now? Because it owns 20% of a Nevada project called Kinsley Mountain. Kinsley Mountain, as I said, is in Nevada. It has had some spectacular numbers in the past. That 20%, I can make a <laughs> very compelling argument, is worth a lot more than $2 million. Um, the best argument I can make to you is that new Plaster Dome Gold, formerly Barian Mining, who we've talked about in the past, um, owns 80% of it now. They purchased it from Liberty Gold, um, and they are... A drilling that pretty aggressively starting in mid-July. Uh, the initial program is going to be 20,000 meters, 15,000 RC, 5,000 of diamond drilling. I will speculate that one of two things happens. Um, either they hit and they buy it at a much higher price than today's uh, 4.5 cent, 5 cent share price that Nevada Sunrise uh, is, is boasting, or they buy it beforehand in the next month or two um, in order to control it. And I can tell you that as a relatively large shareholder and, and, and me knowing some of the other larger shareholders, it's going to be at multiples of today's price. And that may present an opportunity for the retail crowd amongst you. Um, there is a secondary asset, the Coronado Project, which is a copper BMS asset also in Nevada that provides you um, a backup and some cover there if Kinsley doesn't work out. But again, 20,000 meter drill program is pretty aggressive. It's great to own 20% of that. And I, for one, have been waiting for years to see that, that property properly drill tested. And we're finally going to get that. So ticker symbol NEV on the exchange, the Canadian exchange. That's what I'm talking about with these uh, newsletter promotions. You can totally picture uh, one where, you know, there's a chart in Nevada sunrise starting at two and a half cents, right? Absolutely. And going to 30, 40, 50 or a dollar. And again, hey, if it just goes to 15 and 20 cents and that's all you did, it's five times today's level, people. And uh, again, the catalyst is years away. The catalyst is, you know, drilling starts in mid-July. And the market being forward thinking, I'll be interested to see 
what Barian does and how it plays its cards and, you know, obviously wishing them success on that drill program because, you know, we're kind of joined at the hip at this point, right? It's new Placer Dome, Gerardo. New Placer Dome gold. Yes, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. That'll take a little bit of getting used to, but if they hit, I'll call them whatever they want me to call them as long as it, as long as it's appropriate. <laughs> Nick, anything else on your end? Do you have a feel good story? Do you have something to make a smile going into the weekend? Well, I gave you just a, a feel good story about uh, potentially an antibody that is uh, going to stop COVID, but um, off the top of my head, no, I mean, um, you know, we're in a, a, a fourth turning. We're in a gold bull market. We are starting to get uh, police reform. I know it's a bit crazy. We're still in um, lockdown. But um, I guess uh, my positive story is just, uh, you know, staying upbeat through it all. And uh, certainly this weekly therapy session um, helps. But um, if you can... If you can do a little bit of good and if you can make a little bit of jingle and if you, uh, if you got your health and your family, then you're doing all right. Uh, keep good health, everybody. Keep family around. If you're fortunate enough to have family around you, reach out to people that may not be doing as well or as stable as you are if you happen to be in uh, the fortunate position to be doing well and to be stable and to be making it through these you know, incredibly challenging times that we're all facing. Um, that is it. That's all I got. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 74 of Bizarro World. Say goodbye, Nick. See ya. <laughs>